0: Hello and welcome to an EG Property Podcast from MIPIM 2023. On this session, we're going to be covering how to leverage a multi-stakeholder approach to create high quality places. Chairing this conversation is Sam McClary, editor of EG. And joining her is Eamon Bolan, chief executive of the GMCA, Abby Brown, councillor from Stoke-on-Trent City Council, Peter Denton, chief executive of Homes England, and Caroline Simpson, Chief Executive of Stockport Council.
1: Okay, everyone, well, let's, let's get cracking. As I say, my name's Sam McLaren, the editor at EG, and welcome to the first of a packed session, uh, or packed uh, day today here at the EG Pavilion. So we are starting off with um, a session hosted with Homes England. Uh, if you see anyone wandering around with a bright orange Homes England lanyard, uh, please go say hello and they have some wonderful contacts to, to hand out to you and they are, are looking for people to work with. So, so make sure you see them. But this session, as I say, hosted with Homes England, uh, is going to focus on its ambitious vision for transforming UK towns and cities. So as part of the discussion that will we'll follow, Homes England and, uh, and its partners, we'll talk about the power of public-private sector collaboration in achieving long-lasting results for communities and we'll showcase some successful examples of collaboration across the country too you can see some of those on the screens around you um, but before we get into the debate uh, i'm going to ask each of our panelists to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about what they want to bring to this conversation today um, we will have questions as well so we have roving mics uh, please do put your hands up uh, if you want to ask a question and uh, some of my wonderful colleagues will come and thrust a microphone in your face, uh, uh, gently, of course. Uh, but, but let's uh, get going with this morning's discussion. So, Eamon, please introduce yourself and tell us what you'd like to bring to the discussion this morning.
2: Thanks. I'm Eamon Boyle, and I'm Chief Executive of Greater Manchester Combined Authority and Transport for Greater Manchester. So, I get blamed for just about everything that goes wrong <laughs> in all of Greater Manchester. Um, I've got a, a, a long history of working with uh, partners such as Homes England. I used to be a member of the HCA senior team and it was first set up. Uh, and a long track record of working with a number of places to try and achieve their ambition and their vision for, for regeneration. Um, from Hume and Coates to Stockport and a, a range of other places right across Greater Manchester and across the country. So I'm delighted to be here. Um, I'm not quite sure what unique contribution I bring this morning, but uh, I'll uh, I'll do my level best. Thank
3: you. <laughs> Thank you Abby. Thank you. Um, I'm Abby Brown, leader of Stoke-on-Trent City Council. Stoke-on-Trent is a left-behind place, a levelling-up place, um, a challenged place. Um, I'm really excited about our agenda. We received the largest single levelling-up allocation last year, £56 million. And over the last few years, have brought in over £100 million worth of investment from the government to bring forward our ambitious plans the reality is for places like Soap Trent, we need good strong partnerships, um, both locally, regionally and nationally to achieve the things that we do. Um, and I guess probably my, my uniqueness is the ability to actually turn that around, to go from somewhere that was left behind, where people genuinely thought there was no opportunities for them, to somewhere that's actually tipped to have the second biggest increase in jobs next year and is uh, regularly quoted as one of the fastest growing economies in the UK. Fantastic. Thank you. Peter.
4: This is working. Uh, good morning, I'm Peter Denton, Chief Executive of Homes England. Uh, I, I think um, the, the thing that I'd focus on is that uh, the name isn't quite right for the agency now, which is that uh, we we're absolutely driven f- by housing and by the quantity of housing. Uh, I think the, the, the fun bit is I run an organization that's actually the Housing and Regeneration Agency and going back in fact to when Eamon, Eamon was there and, and the roots of the organization. And it's about how we uh, not only focus on the, on the quantity of housing, but the quality of housing, and also placemaking. So, and and that is a, a phraseology that you could use for levelling up as much as anything. But it's about place. And 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 for us, um, the focus is on on partnership. How you how one plus one plus one equals four, for example, uh, and also. To some extent, if you go forward, how in in an ever-increasing devolved world, how does a national agency support local place and its ambitions and aspirations?
1: Fantastic, thank you. Last but by no means
0: least, Caroline. Hi, good morning, everybody. My name is Caroline Simpson. I'm Chief Executive of Stockport Council. Uh, Stockport is a proud northern town, uh, part of Greater Manchester, about seven miles outside of the city centre, Uh, extremely well-connected. Uh, and a real sense of that pride and uh, community spirit in Stockport. Um, I am chief exec of a council where every service is really thinking about regeneration, whether it's children's services, working with our health colleagues, on the basis, you join everything together uh, for the benefit of a place. So the kind of that real uh, catalytic and power of local government to convene and bring stakeholders together, have that long-term vision, drive delivery, take shared risk, is something that uh, I believe is really starting to take shape in Stockport. Uh, We've been uh, very interventionist in regeneration for about uh, 10, 12 years now, actually started by uh, Eamon uh, on the panel. Um, And we've built up a bit of momentum and really starting to make the change. Um, So exciting place to be.
1: Fantastic. Um, So there's a few words that each of you have used there, which I want to hone in on um, for a little bit in this discussion. One is the word place. Everyone uses the word place, uh, but I imagine it's quite different for everyone on on this panel. So I'd love to know a little bit about what place means to you and how we can bring more people together to understand the individuality of of places, I suppose. And and Caroline, maybe I'll I'll start back with you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that's a tricky one to start so I think it depends I think it depends who you're talking to what you're doing so at one level Stockport is a place to think about from investment to show that sense of ambition but actually if you're talking to uh, a group of uh, residents that live in Stockport their place is kind of you know what's immediately around what their neighbourhood what their district is so um, I think understanding place at different uh, spatial levels is absolutely fundamental. So it's a, it is, you're right, it's a widely used phrase, but actually thinking about what it means is in its context, in its place, and it can be as simple as a, a, a building mm-hmm. in its own immediate vicinity. What does that mean? To planning a whole borough, to planning a whole city region. Sure.
1: And um, Peter, as, as, a, as the agency for regener- regeneration, how do you make sure that all of your, your team understand what a place is and what role you can, you can play in creating that place and supporting that place.
4: So, so I, think, I think the first thing is, you're, you're right, you can define place in different ways. I, I, for this, I would define a, a different way, which is, my, my view is the agency is there, is to respect local democracy. It's actually the, the local government and all its shapes and forms understand what they need for their place. If you look at the devolution deal we were part of for York, York and North Yorkshire, their focus is on how they regenerate their uh, market towns. How do they get rural housing? I was with Caroline last week in, in Stockport, and that is about uh, a, a, a city centre physical, you know, just unbelievable physical transformation to provide thousands of new homes and, and a million square feet of new commercial space. We we are driven by what place what the place itself thinks is necessary. Abby's got 15 different things she wants <laughs> us to do and I mean 15, (laughs) Uh, 15 things to do immediately, um, but she has identified them and saying, that's what I want, and so forth and so forth. So for me, um, place is obviously uh, abstract, but it's also about um, respecting what is felt to be needed in that individual place Mm -hmm. to catalyze. And I think from Secretary of State's perspective and levelling up is is that equalisation of opportunity, um, which is ultimately the heart of everything we're trying to do.
1: I wonder if you can can build on that and talk about those fifteen asks, and and, and not just the asks from from Peter and and his team, but actually from the the private sector as well. What can they do to help you create that place and, and deliver on those fifteen targets?
3: There's far more than fifteen. They're just the only they're just the only ones I'm allowed to talk about. <laughs> it, for me, the, the girl who grew up to represent and be given the honour of leading her place, I don't think there can be anything more powerful than that, can the, you know, Stoke, Stoke is where my heart is, and developing things for residents, for people like me, for kids who grew up, for my grandparents, for my children as well, is, is the essence of it all. I think for us, it, it started around what would make a difference for us as a place, and there's four, four key things that uh, make a difference for my place. Getting around it, which is really hard to do. It's really easy to get to, by the way. You're all very welcome to come and visit, but is <laughs> terrible when you get there. The regeneration, the housing—how do you improve that as you as you move forward? How do you provide aspiration for children and young people to ensure that they can access jobs moving forward? And actually, how can you address some of the public health inequalities that my city has and that, are, and that are shameful and need addressing? And how do you link all those together through in a way regeneration to to do that? So so yes, there is 15, but there is far more than that. But it does—it is kind of a golden thread through all of it, isn't it? You know, the reality is if you are born today in Stoke-on-Trent. your your life chances are limited immediately. You're more likely to die before you reach the age of two. You're more likely to enter school, not ready to go. You're less likely to come out with achievements that other children are likely to do. You're more likely to struggle with illnesses as you get older, and sadly, you're also more likely to die younger than people elsewhere in the country. But we can influence all of those things through place, can't we? Improving the quality of housing, improving the public realm around us, improving investment into the city to bring better jobs and opportunities. And also building on the advantages we have. Stoke's an incredibly green city. There's lots of opportunities to do things. um, But it does require that whole place vision to bring it all together, doesn't it? Mm.
1: And that's not a short-term fix, is it? That requires long-term investment and Eamon, I wonder if uh, you have any thoughts on how we ensure that there is that long-term investment from from private sector and from from public bodies too.
2: Well, if I could start by saying I think one of the most important things about defining a place is asking two questions. What is it for and who is it for and that goes to the heart of what Abby was saying because we, we should only be seeking to regenerate places if those places can be beneficial to the people who live there and who depend, depend on them for their economic well-being. So I think that means we're not just talking about physical regeneration, we're talking about skills, we're talking about health interventions, we're talking about educational interventions to make certain that people can access. Because levelling up to me is not about creating jobs, it's about enabling people to access opportunity. And that's really what, uh, what we need to be using our place-based strategies to do. Long term is absolutely essential. I remember in uh, 1990, when Michael Heseltine popped up and gave us a five-year city challenge, we thought, bloody hell, that's long term. <laughs> and like, 30 years later, we're sort of nearly finished uh, on probably the first uh, the first second phases there. Um, going back to Ancotes, um, and this is an interesting example, I think, of where the private and public sector need to work together and need to understand each other's requirements and risks. The reason that Ancoats is now the coolest urban neighbourhood in Europe is because 25 years ago, English Partnerships, and then the RDA, invested derelict land grants in creating a platform, a basic infrastructure that could enable the private sector to take a view that actually this had become a de-risked and investable place. Uh, but it, take, it took a long, long time. We, we laid that foundation, We went through two recessions, and then it started to come together. So I think that's the kind of time frame you need to be thinking about when, you, when you're outside London, when you're places like Stoke or central Manchester, that's the kind of time frame that you need to be thinking about. But it is not about trying to pile everything in and do everything at once. It's about understanding how you sequence investment in order to enable investment to take place in a way that makes sense. Because I'm not going to persuade any sensible developer to put money into a place unless they believe there is a commercial logic in doing that. I think that's a really, really important role for the public sector to create that, that con- those conditions uh, for investment to enable it to fly. Thank
0: you. Peter?
2: I
4: mean, we... Um
2: it's a bit of fun. Was
4: Secretary of State commissioned uh, to get see the original cabinet papers for Canary Wharf from 1979, uh, and when you look at the ingredients that went into why Canary Wharf succeeded, um, and then we we were we, we were privileged enough to have Lord Heseltine to come in and brief the board recently <laughs> as to you know Liverpool, and there was a really consistent theme in those. One was, to, and it's really to Eamon's point, which was. Huge amounts of private sector investment came in, but not at the start. Um, There was uh, public ownership, and amalgamation of public ownership to create a place that had a sufficient scale to have a a catalytic impact. There was master planning and vision and uh, and, uh, planning direction that allowed um, some rules to be established. There was public sector investment, particularly by infrastructure funding, to be able to create that opportunity um, and I, I just I, I reflect on that. I call it the 2080 rule, which is you know in theory you want the majority of the money to come from the private sector, but you have to recognise you've got to create the environment and the approach that first 20% to be able to encourage the other 80% to come in. And, and Ancoats is a is a is a is a, an example of that. Although if you move beyond Ancoats, you know Eamon and us have been recently working on the next bit beyond Ancoats. And that still needs that early seed investment and that early stage uh, ca- catalyzing. And you, you know, you've got, I'm very proud of, of what you've done there. This <laughs> picture is amazing. I went to see it last week, I stood up at the top. And that didn't exist a year ago. Uh, this is the, um, the, the transport interchange, uh, bus interchange in Stockport. And, and you've, you've pulled together different funding from every, every source. And, and hopefully it's the most hardest part Mainly me. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the hardest. Hopefully this is the hardest part, the first part. And hopefully there's a momentum that builds from that. And I think that's what, that's what partnership is about. It's about recognising that it's not all in at the same time. It's how it has to go in sequence.
1: Caroline, I wonder if you could um, share some, some secrets about how you managed to do that. I'm sure there's plenty of people in the room who want, who want some advice, who want to do the same thing.
0: So I, I told the, um, the kind of the sequence uh, to Peter uh, last week. So that scheme started off as forty million pounds from Transport for Greater Manchester to build a new bus station in the heart of Stockport, which in itself is a really good piece of uh, infrastructure. But actually, thinking about how do we leverage that forty million and create something more special, more effective, more future-proof, uh, then uh, turned into. Uh, a bus station with a two-acre park on top uh, to create much-needed new green infrastructure in the town centre that actually connected up other parts of the town as well. And that then creates the obvious development platform for more homes, uh, which, again, we need uh, in Stockport and particularly in a sustainable location. So by the time you build up that narrative uh, that then translated into 122 million <laughs> pound scheme, leveraging in money from Homes England, more money from Eamon, <laughs> uh, some patient equity from the council and from the combined authority, and then uh, private investment on top. And the private investment only came in when we had enough confidence that that scheme was going to happen. It was years in the making. Um, and you know, having the ability to generate that uh, momentum, the vision, and then get a technical structure out of the ground with uh, such complexity and it's actually being built for us by transport for greater manchester there's a lot of ingredients in there Uh, but i think what it starts with is a real ambition and confidence that it can be done Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of agencies and organizations involved that have to share the vision and then the ability to see it through
1: and the moral to the story is if you want some money just go to amen and go to to (laughs) check absolutely check the checkbook doesn't always work (laughs) And um, t- tell us a, li- a little bit more about. Um, I guess you know we're we're here in in Can. There's a lot of invest private investors here. Six thousand says says Mipin, from all over all over the world. When we're talking about place, when we're talking about that long term in- investment, what's the kind of language that we need to to communicate to them to understand that? Okay. Look, um, public sector is going to, you know, put that seed money, and we'll help you. Hope te- help, help you see the story. But this is what you can do, and this is this is the benefit that you can bring to our to our UK cities to help with that levelling up, whatever we we might call it
3: in 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 the future. Uh, Abby, I wonder if you have any thoughts on that. So I think it is about the narrative, isn't it? In terms of a, a place, certainly for us as a city, that's been one of the the things that. that unwittingly i probably didn't realize at the time what we started with stoke-on-trent is a polycentric city we've got six town centers and we spent far too long arguing amongst ourselves amongst which of those most important but the reality is investors are not interested in that they want to understand about your place on a larger scale stoke's the 13th largest city in the uk really easy to get to really well connected lots of potential to grow and actually once you get people into your place that's when you can talk more about what will work best for them in terms of location so i think having your narrative I think the confidence as well is really important. Um, certainly a lot of the feedback that we get in terms of the investment that we've had come in is about the fact that we firstly are brave enough to come to things like this. I don't think there are many elected leaders here at the moment. I'm up for election in 50 days' time, but it's, the future of my place is so important that I'm prepared to come out here for 24 hours and, and I think I, I'm doing enough, 13 meetings in 24 hours, to defend that this is a good use of the sponsor's money that's paid for me to come here. But I think that, that's, that's troublesome. That's troublesome for politicians. I think that's sometimes troublesome... For the public sector as well, that we have to be brave enough to say this is important to us, and we are going to lead from the front to deliver that confidence. But then finally, it is about the deliverability, isn't it? What difference does this make? And I think increasingly, a lot to for a lot of the investors that we start to we are starting to deal with, is around the actual granular impact. Whether it is influencing children's lives ultimately um, through opening their eyes to the aspiration, through the careers that could be available, through what they are bringing forward whether it is the opportunities to be somewhere that's different and to put yourself on the map, to be seen, to be doing something different, or ultimately around the wider reputational benefits of working in true partnership. I think, as we've already heard reference, it is about bringing in other partners. For us, a long-term relationship with Homes England has been transformational in terms of the ability to work with other people, not just private equity, but also other government agencies as well. It's given us credibility and it's given us the endorsement as a place with a vision that can deliver.
4: I mean, we. I mean, these num these numbers are really out of date. So forgive me, but I remember when I was doing commercial property, uh, the numbers used to be around 50 billion pounds of inward investment a year into Britain, for on property. About depending on the year, about 30 to 40 billion for France, about 30, 30 billion for Germany, and then it fell off a cliff. Uh, and the rest of Europe was was a, a, a m- much smaller fraction of that overall inward investment, and one of, one of the challenges for, for Britain as a whole and why I think I support, fully support what Abby's saying is we, we need to look beyond our own local authority pension funds, our own institutional investment. We need to look towards a, a global investor base, which is here. But I sat next to, um, I sat, sat next to a representative of one of uh, Italy's largest institutional investors yesterday and we had, we had the usual chat. London, no problem at all. I said, well, where are where after London. Eamon will be pleased to hear, he said, well, we're looking at Manchester. Um, and it's about, um, and I said, well, why, why not elsewhere? And uh, given the scales of money that's available in Britain, and it's about confidence and it's about liquidity, and, and it's about um, demonstrating that there are so many places in the, in the United Kingdom which have the ability to give both stability, confidence, uh, you know, a- and liquidity to international investment. That remains our challenge, not least given the last few years. And I think that's why things like this are really important.
1: It's about that presence as, as well. If you if you can't see it, you probably won't invest in it, will you? Um, we can't talk around place and investment and and uh, collaboration without talking about devolution, I, I suppose. Uh, um, and... Y- whether one I guess it's happening quick enough and two whether actually devolution is the is the key to um, having that uh, presence of, of place uh, here in front of international investors and Eamon I'm going to throw that one to, to you as I know you have some thoughts.
2: Yeah i still not allowed to talk about everything you're reading in the papers um, but uh, there will be an announcement by the Chancellor today on a new devolution deal for Greater Manchester which we think does represent a step forward Uh, in terms of uh, our devolution journey. Is devolution the key to unlocking all of this? No, it's not. Is it it a key part of unlocking all of this? Yes, it is. And I think we need to be very clear that our journey to devolution can only really, really uh, take place and can only really gain traction if there is stability and if there is certainty in terms of purpose uh, in in locations. One of the things that stood Greater Manchester in Goodstead has been the fact that there's been an all-party consensus for decades on the things that are important for the city region and that's in sort of in microcosm in stockport uh, uh, where caroline has to lead a council which has got very very mixed political uh, makeup but there's been a, a unified position i remember standing on a platform with sean anstey who was then the leader of trafford and we were talking to a bunch of um quite um left-wing civic leaders from scandinavia and they said hey tory boy I said. <laughs> <laughs> How come you get on with all these big, burly, hairy Labour councillors? He said, well, we'll we'll fight like cats in a sack when it comes to the election, but fundamentally we'll agree on the things that are important and we'll work together to deliver those things. And I think that's really, really important, that whatever the politics plays, that there is a sense of shared purpose around what it is that needs to happen. And I think that's been underpinned by, but also helps drive the momentum around devolution for us. Uh, So is it the magic bullet? No, it's not. But is it a really, really important part of the, the, the toolkit for us moving forward? Yes, it is.
1: Um, Abby, I want to come to, to you on that as well because you know you talked about you, you've come out here for twenty four hours to um, you know really support your your place, and that's about local leadership, isn't it? And knowing and understanding your your place and having the power to come out here and and ask for what for what you need.
3: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it is back to building a platform, isn't it? Um, you know. I'm probably fairly fortunate to go back to what i was talking about earlier in terms of the confidence to do that stoke-on-trent's been coming out to mipping for probably 10 15 years so I, so i'm treading a well trodden footpath but it is about being out there to make your case isn't it um back again to to the narrative around that but equally to um the government i can't claim that the mention of stoke-on-trent this afternoon in the budget will be quite as high profile as greater manchester but you should also listen out because stoke-on-trent will be mentioned too Um, and I think it is about making to a degree it's making yourself noticed isn't it by the government through your narrative but also through putting the hard yards in to build those relationships with organisations like Homes England like other arm's length bodies to ensure that you've got the credibility then when you go forward and ask for something Um, I haven't got a devolution deal yet um, but you know I think you can looking at our track record also make progress around important things without that but I think, you know, the opportunity is there and, and certainly as, as probably hopefully is coming over, I'm not a woman who necessarily wants to do, uh, wants to put into a box that nationally the government wants to put you into. I, I think it's a partnership, isn't it, ultimately between national and local. I know my place better than anybody in Westminster, um, but I'm prepared to have a conversation with them about what where we can work together to move things forward. And I think actually that's where the secret really lies.
4: Just to make that real, Abby... Uh Abby has a particular talent. <laughs> uh, about a month ago, I found myself at number 10 with uh, the representatives of every major uh, national body uh, to talk about Stoke-on-Trent. Uh, and I think it is, a- Eamon's point is correct, is that, that this is the step forward. Um, we need to make sure, as a, as a national body, we need to make sure that we bring that, that economy of scale and that um, sort of that center of hopefully excellence um, and apply it to each individual place, and actually be a national support to a localized agenda. Mm. And I think that's the—I'd like to think—that's the way that we we can make that work in the future. That we are we're effectively working for the local place and 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 and, and, and supporting their their ambition. Thank you, Caroline.
0: So I I think we can join up government investments to make money go further and be sensible about how investment is spent. There are um, Proposition to government for Stockport at the moment is to put health spend into our town centre So to relocate our hospital where the state is um, really out of date and um, You know 100 million pounds worth of of backlog maintenance Well, actually let's not build a new hospital in another out-of-town location. Let's build a future focused uh, new hospital in the town centre that then creates all the health economy it's in a sustainable location, and it drives a new model of healthcare for the whole of Stockport. So it's one example. But I think that joining up of government policy, government investment that makes sense on a regeneration, and just going back to Eamon's first point, makes sense to local people, mm-hmm. and has that sense of long-term ambition. is something that can't be done anywhere else other than at a city region or a local level. Yeah.
1: So when we talk about... Multi-stakeholder. We're not just thinking public and private. We're thinking so many people coming together for individual places, and then connecting those those places as, as well.
2: Absolutely. And um, the point, the example that Caroline gives is a really, really important one. And this is not a criticism. It's just an observation. The NHS is spatially completely illiterate. It, it, it's not it's not on its agenda. It's not important to it. Yet we could achieve much, much better, more sustainable health outcomes as well as economic regeneration outcomes if we start to think about places in, in the round. And so, for, you know, for me, an investment zone, which I, I believe might be announced later on today, um, uh, but I couldn't possibly comment, um, it is, is interesting, but it's only going to be substantial if actually the totality of the public sector starts to focus on what its contribution to those places could be. And that then gives the private sector the confidence that it needs There's a joined-up agenda, a joined-up narrative, a joined-up commitment to delivery over the long term.
4: If you look at the hundred most successful conurbations in the U.S. today, sixty of them are driven by their local hospital or university, um, and that integration of education, health, uh, and and in this country, you know, it's sorry not in this country, but in Britain, our, our preeminent global status in life sciences, for example, mm. um, uh, it, it would be criminal if we didn't see greater thought processes of how we bring education, health and regeneration and local employment together in a thoughtful way. Um, uh, and uh, there is work to go there. But um, even in the last year, I've seen I've seen real improvement uh, in, in that journey, particularly with health, as to how we, we start to integrate it more.
1: And that's about that narrative again, isn't it? It's about talking about what we mean when we say place, what we mean when we say regeneration, and what we mean when we say investment in, into that. Um, We've got about 15 minutes left, and we're just going to quickly open up to the audience just in case there's any questions out there before I carry on hogging uh, hogging the mic. But uh, do raise a hand. There we are, one at the back. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, Richard Bailey from Atkins. Um, a lot of uh, talk there about um, how place can be convened and how it can be delivered. I just wonder, Peter, um, if you might be able to say a bit more about Homes England's delivery powers, um, that it can help to... <coughs> Deliver a place, and also its convening powers. And um, just in the subjects we we're just touching on there, where you know, investment in a place isn't just about economic success; it's about uh, social, it's about welfare, it's about environmental success as well. And that convening power you might have in bringing together a, an overall business case uh, for public investment going forward. So a bit about delivery, and a bit about convening powers.
4: I I, I struggle to explain what the agency is. Uh, generally because, because of, of, of the breadth of the work and also the breadth of its, uh, it, its um, um, money uh, as well and powers. But the, to, to shorten it, we have different flavors of money, all the way from land to loans to grant to equity to affordable grant. We have statutory powers, planning, which I envisage we'll never use, uh, mm. but we, can, we have got statutory planning powers. Uh, we've got CPO powers, which with the Royal Assent of the Leveling Up and Regeneration Bill will be put on, on slightly steroids, which we will start to use, utilize more. Um, and then I think to your point, it's the convening side. Um, I, um, I have um, constantly struggled with my masters as to recognize success, not just beyond how we invest money. Um, if you look to Sheffield, Sheffield was uh, delivering about 100 affordable homes in totality a year. Um, And through no money, through simple convening of all our uh, housing association partners, we're moving that to 900 homes a year in Sheffield. Uh, And that is just simple convening. Uh, We leverage in about 1 to 10 private sector money on equity, about 1 to 6 on affordable grant, 1 to 3 to 5 on land. so we are, our mantra is about how we leverage the private sector in. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing the agency needs to do and needs to do better is how do we bring the whole agency to each thing it does? How do you look at, as we discussed, or we, you know, all, all of us, I've discussed with all, all the people on, on this, how do we bring everything we have to catalyze, accelerate, to challenge Uh, and then go and duff up the rest of government to try and do the same, whether it's trains, whether it's health, whether it's education. Um, If we can achieve that, or even a proportion of that, then I think we we win for the place.
1: Thank you, Peter. Any more questions out there in the audience? Everyone's shy. It's okay. It's only early. still early. Um, Let's talk about, um, or I guess let's get everyone's response to to Peter's um, response there, and how how you want to see Holmes England use those, those powers for, to help each of your place? Raymond? He's well, here, you can ask him whatever you like. Yeah,
2: well, if you come to Greater Manchester and try and exercise your planning powers, we'll uh, have, a, have, an in, have an interesting conversation with you, to say the least. Um, but, uh, I, I had the bright idea of doing a spatial framework for Greater Manchester in 2013. It was going to be a two-year job. It's <laughs> uh, still in the examination in public, so hopefully, touch wood, it's it's, it's getting there. Uh, but I think th- one of the things that we do uh, want to, to encourage is how you can use certainly powers of compulsory purchase where they are appropriate and necessary in order to unlock momentum in a, in a, in a place. Certainly we've done that to, as, as local authorities in the past, probably quite rarely, more rarely than people think, to be perfectly honest. But I think there there are some important powers there, but you're, you, but you, you're right. You bring with you the heft that can enable places to really start to leverage uh, a wider government. But I think there is a real need for us as places to continue that dialogue with wider government about the need for integration. So it's about physical regeneration, it's about skills, about opportunities, it's about transport, it's about enabling people to make sure that they have the skills to access jobs, but also the physical means of accessing jobs that we're creating in those places. And on that, if I just blow my own trumpet for a moment, that's not just about building new Metrolink lines. Everyone thinks I should build a Metrolink line to everywhere, including Caroline, (laughs) Stockport. (laughs) Definitely. (coughs) But uh, it's why we are going down the very painful and expensive route of franchising our bus network, because that gives us the ability to actually start to direct and create a network that can serve people in a way that a fully commercialised and privatised network will never do. And so that's a really, really important part of how we bring together the whole toolkit making sure that our places are successful and more importantly our people can access the success in those places
3: thank you abby how do you want uh Peter to use his heft? Peter already knows what I want Um, and uh, actually we've got first local authority in the country to have an informal partnership and I think later today we're announcing details of what that looks like in terms of the investment that will go into those 15 places that Peter talked about earlier but I just want to talk a little bit about the convening element I think that is really important and as Peter has already alluded to there's no point me being shy that is one of the things that I think as a local authority that we've been good at that I've been good at convening um, across all sorts of agencies but actually also equally with Homes England. You know, again, Peter's touched on it. One of the challenges for us, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a socially right-wing conservative leader um, and I want to intervene in making my city a better place where I need to. One of the challenges is that we have um, not enough social housing really, but the social housing we've got, we've been totally hands-off in directing. Some of it in our own ownership is not good enough and I want to improve that, but actually we have a number um, of RSIs within the city who are not contributing to my place they probably couldn't even find my place on a map. So I want to challenge them, and I know I've got Peter's support to do that. And that's hugely powerful as a local authority leader because those housing associations have no reason to engage with me whatsoever. But if Peter's standing next to me, they do, and they will as well. And we have a plan around how we do that. You know, Peter's talked about Sheffield, and it's a model I'm really interested in, and we're going to move forward. Um, In actual fact, I think that's what I might be doing tomorrow, which is why I've got to go um, later to talk to, I think we've got something in the region of 20 different uh, registered social landlords within the city, and I'll be challenging them around what do they do moving forward for my place. If you're rooted in my place, that's brilliant. I want to do more with you. If you're not rooted in your place, challenge yourself about what it is that you can do with me, and that will deliver for residents in my city. And again, that is the convening power of of Homes England, just in a
0: small way. Fantastic. Thank you. Caroline? Uh, So... uh, just to add a different um, additional point, really, because completely agree. Um, every place is different. Every place will have different opportunities and problems to solve. So the ability to get around the table, think about the specific things that are happening in our places, and then find some way of a joined-up response, access to money, convening powers, uh, um, and bringing the uh, rest of government to the table but that requires a flexibility and some capacity, really, because every place will be knocking on your door asking for something similar. Um, but it needs that thought and it needs that ability to to join up and join problem
4: solve. I, I, I want to just reflect on one other thing, though, which is um, you've got three representatives of, of places that you can... You don't just detect the passion, it's the optimism as well. Uh, and I... And I think there's been a, a, a rhetoric for a very long time, I think it has changed, of the, these levelling up places, um, was almost a pejorative phrase. And, and the, the Midlands and the North, by the way, the North is not the North, I'm from Scotland, it's <laughs> the Midlands. Um, um, but, uh, but, but there's been a, it's, it's, not, it's more than a can-do attitude, it's um, because that's just blind optimism. It is a genuine belief that there is uh, an investable proposition that changes a place for the positive. Uh, and that is, um, how would I put it? I think that's more apparent in, in if you want to be geographic, it's more apparent in the Midlands and the North today than it is in the South. There is, there is a, just a genuine, we can do this attitude um, that will take, to Eamon's point, will take, still take 15, 20 years, always, but which is existing. And I think that is um, stimulating to work in.
1: Let's stick with that for our our final few minutes, that um, investable uh, proposition for changing a place for the positive. And I want to leave the discussion with some examples of that. You can dig up your own places, or if there's somewhere else that you think is a a great example of how um, public and private sectors, everyone can come together to create a place that's for the people, that has that that purpose. Let's share those ideas with everyone now. Caroline, I'm going to come to you first.
0: So, uh, to the west of our town centre, we have a mayoral development corporation that's building up to 4,000 new homes in sustainable location, Bradfield sites. The council put forward a £100 million investment facility to really set out that investable proposition. Uh, we've used some of that to buy up land. We've used some of it to co-finance. Uh, we're currently in procurement for a, an a-taker site. There is a you know, there's a range of investable propositions available right now in Stockport. Paul Richards is the chief exec of the MDC. Uh, we've got a vision. We've we've got shared risk. We've got all partners, including Homes England and the Combined Authority, uh, round the table. Cross-party leadership from the council. Uh, we believe we've got the ingredients for that. Uh, a very clear investable proposition that will deliver for the people of Stockport. Fantastic.
1: Thank you, Eamon?
2: I think you are suggesting I mean, it's not just about trumpeting our own places, it's about that wider view. And, you know, you might be surprised to hear me saying that it is as much in greater Manchester's interest that Liverpool succeeds as it is for Liverpool itself to succeed. They're complementary places. You know, we hate them when it comes to football, absolutely. <laughs> Particularly as United fan at the moment. But no, anyway, yeah, personal grief. Um, but the, the economic success of Liverpool, the economic success of Leeds, the economic success of Stoke, is as important to Greater Manchester as, as, as anything else, because it's only by creating interconnected, vibrant places that can support themselves economically and exchange people and ideas economically that we'll succeed as, as a northern region. And that's why you know transport's important, skills important. I keep coming back to the same same uh, mantras. I appreciate, but I think it's really, really important that we're very, very clear that this is not simply about advancing one place to the detriment of others. It's about bringing forward a whole uh, region. In, in order to rebalance the economy. Because fundamentally, if levelling up means anything, it's not about tackling deprivation where you find it. It's about what steps do we take that actually energise an entire underperforming region to compete on a global economic platform, and that's where we need to go. And that's, that's about all of the northern towns and cities.
3: Fantastic. Thank you, Abby. Um, all about that, Eamon says, but clearly I'm not going to miss the opportunity to talk about <laughs> so Snow um, um Lots and lots of... Um, Opportunities, £600 million worth of investable opportunities today, more coming forward in the future. You could find yourself sat around the table with Peter and I, potentially in number 10, talking about one of those 15 sites as well. So lo- lots of different things happening, including um, you'll see on the CGI that's going around as well at times um, an arena, all sorts of great stuff um, in terms of reshaping a fantastic place that used to send its wares all the way around uh, round the country. You regularly find me turning over crockery and restaurants to see if stuff's come from my brilliant city. You know, there's I've, I really believe that the best is yet to come from my brilliant place, um, and we've got lots of opportunities and confidence to do that, and we're always really excited to talk to different individuals who think that they could contribute, whether it is around um, pure regeneration in terms of building things, or indeed just talking about what the opportunities are to come and make an impact in some way where you truly can change people's lives. Fantastic. Thank so, you. Final word, Peter.
4: So Andy Street would kill me if I didn't plug the West Midlands in some <laughs> way. Um, so my point would be is that um, in, in the levelling up, uh, white paper, our mission, or the bit we're supposed to focus on is called Pride of Place. Uh, and if you look, uh, so I steal what Peter, my chairman, says all the time, which is you can have a vision for something like King's Cross that will take 20 years to realize, but people can believe in it within a couple of years. You know, they, they, get, a, they get a sense of momentum and purpose very, very quickly, and that's the key thing to, to energize. If you look at... Um, what we're doing with everyone. If you look at with, uh, with Ian at the Council in Birmingham, if you look at the Enterprise Zone, the LEP, uh, definitely the West Midlands Combined Authority, what we're doing in Digbeth in, uh, in just it's five minutes walk from New Street Station. And you walk, you walk there and you walk into an area that has so much opportunity, but yet so much, the plight phrase, so much growth to occur. Mm. But crucially, it is, it is that wonderful combination of amazing heritage. Uh, the opportunity, instead of doing 5%, 0%, 10% affordable homes, it's the opportunity at scale to do 35%, 40% affordable homes, to put in new industries, get the BBC to go and put their Midlands Headquarters there, and actually energize and catalyze that area. Um, I've only been in the role 18 months, within the next few months you will see that we will be giving that kind of sense of direction within two years to that place, even if it does take 20 years to realize afterwards. That, for me, is why, why we're doing it. It's that, it's that self-belief in a place that it can change for the better.
3: Brilliant. Uh,
1: what I've heard from the from the panel um, today is a lot of talk around opportunity and uh, ambition. I love hearing uh, the word pride and belief and and purpose and the brilliant pla- talking about our brilliant places and we, and we need to use more of that narrative if we are to bring investment in and really um, showcase the UK for all that it all that it has um, to offer um, a really wonderful discussion thank you so much for joining us up on stage please put your hands together for Aman Abey. <laughs>